Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. On Commons People This Week. It would have been me that had to carry it out. Me that had to present it to Parliament. Me that had to make it work in the European Union. And frankly, if I don't believe in it, I'm not the best person to do it. David Davis goes... And so does Boris. And yet it was briefed out as if any of us could be bribed. I am absolutely furious about it. So does Steve Baker. I support her as Prime Minister, but I do not support her policy. And will Rees Mogg actually bring down Theresa May? All of this and more on Commons People. Hello and welcome to Commons People, HuffPost UK's politics podcast with me, Owen Bennett. And this week I'm joined by Rachel Wearmouth. Hello, Rachel. Hi. And I'm joined by Mr. Paul War. Hello, Owen. No Ned, he's too sad about England, aren't we all? <laughs> but realistic. Realistic. I'm, I am quite hungover from the game last <laughs> night, everyone, so sorry if the quality, if I'm not quite as on it as I normally am. Um, speaking of people who decided just not to go to work, uh, David Davis resigned this week, as did Boris Johnson, as did Steve Baker, as did Ben Bradley, as did blah, 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 loads of people. Here's a clip, first of all, of David Davis explaining why he resigned over Brexit, because he wasn't just unhappy with the Chequers plan, but the more concessions could be on the way. I'm worried that what the European Union will do is simply take what we've offered and ask for more or wait for more. And I think it's got to be a time when we get a bit tougher with them, and this should have been the time. Junior Minister Steve Baker resigned too. Here he is having a dig at number 10. I don't think it's too indiscreet to point out that what has happened here is that we've all been blindsided by this policy. You know, we were preparing a white paper which did not accord with what has been put to the Cabinet checkers. The white paper we were working on reflected the series of speeches which the Prime Minister made and as has been said this is a significant evolution from those speeches and the man who represents the hard brexiteers jacob reese mogg here he was on channel 4 news the prime minister does face a dilemma i accept that she will either have to do a u-turn go back to langston house back to her previous commitments or she'll have to get the legislation and the meaningful vote through on labor votes that is her choice okay so we've got all the uh, all the clips out of the way let's just crack on because there's, there's so much to talk about let's go from the beginning Paul, were you surprised David Davis, David, or oh, I might resign Davis, to give him his full name, actually resigned? Actually, no. Um, mainly because he'd given us lots of warning. He'd said repeatedly, he'd made clear to Theresa May, you know, privately and even publicly that, you know, he was ready to, to go if he didn't like what was happening. Um, what was fascinating, though, is that I think he's come out of this with a certain sense of honour, certainly in the view of backbenchers. Whereas Boris Johnson, the one clip oh. you didn't play this week was Boris Johnson. Why is that? Because there is no Boris Johnson clip. Absolutely. Shock horror, listener. There's a Boris photograph Johnson, of him signing his resignation letter. Boris Johnson has not actually been on record to say anything no cameras nothing all we see is a clip of him scurrying out of his uh, grace and favour home in central London late at night looking bleary eyed as he tries to find a new flat for his family um, now that's really strange we, he did have a photo of him signing his resignation letter and the resignation letter was vaguely punchy yeah but 
it says everything that we haven't heard anything from Boris this week and we're waiting until next week and boy is the pressure on him now to come up with some decent alternative vision for Brexit. Before we get on to the, the white paper, this, this much anticipated white paper that was published on Thursday, Rachel, it's, it's, Paul's right isn't he, that David Davis resigned and you can, you know, he didn't call for Theresa May to go, he said look if I've got to sell this as part of my job and I don't believe in it you should get someone else in, that is kind of an honourable thing to do actually. Boris Johnson on the other hand... Well, I think it's what he does next will kind of probably guide what what happens with um, the the Brexiteers. But I think um, he doesn't look like Johnson does not look particularly dignified at the moment. He looks like he's been, um, for want of a better word, trumped by um, number 10. Yeah. And um, I think Davis came across really well and really like um, quite statesmanlike, actually, when he gave his uh, exit interview. So. And the thing about Davis, the difference between their characters, that Davis, although he's liked by a lot of Tory MPs, he's not someone who's got a big cohort of Tory MPs, is he? So he's going to be able to go to backbenches. He's not going to be getting involved in too much plotting, really. That's not his style, is it? Whereas Johnson is a, is a dwindling band of people. There are some people on the backbenches who are loyal to him and are thinking, right, Doris, you can now produce the Brexit plan that we, the hard Brexiteers, can unite behind. Is that what they're waiting for, Paul? They are, but don't forget, um, I mean, you say David Davis is, is not a plotter. Well, that's certainly not what David Cameron and George Osborne used to think. <laughs> um, and they thought he was a notorious, leaker, untrustworthy, you name it. But, and, and there are some, if not Davis himself, there are some people around David Davis who still think he could actually go for being leader at some point. So no, don't ever underestimate that bit of the equation. But yes, I was on Monday night, I had the pleasure... Owen, while you were outside the 1922 committee, yes, uh, later on that night, I was I was outside the European Reform Group meeting, research group, European Research Group, sorry, which is the Brexiteer group, um, and they met privately up on a, an upper corridor in in one of the committee rooms of the House of Commons. And Monday night for me is normally, as we, everyone knows, Parliamentary Labour Party night. It's PLP night. Is, I mean, you've got the that's, T-shirt, that's you, you wave night, your you scarf know, down um, there, you love it, don't you? And you know, you struggle to hear what's happening through through the doors and everything else. And people text you, and it's great fun. Um, well, on Monday night, I had the curious experience of having it uh, that sort of uh, infighting, but through the Tory MPs. And at that, the, what was amazing was that this is a different committee room and the acoustics were brilliant. Can I just say that? So thank you all those MPs inside that meeting because it was so loud and clear. Everything they said... I could hear. What, what, what um, don't, don't, don't say that. They'll what, talk more quietly. <laughs> they won't listen. What, what, what were the best bits? And the best bits were, I mean, we had Andrew Bridgen saying we've got to kill this and kill this before recess. And he put a letter in there uh, this week, didn't he? A yeah. No confidence. Now, he said yeah. that publicly like yeah. a day later, but boy, did he did he really ram home that point. Um, and um, he was driving the fact that they're running out of time. You know, government have been quite canny. Number 10 have been quite canny. They know there's not much time until the summer recess for MPs. Um, and once MPs go away, the likelihood of any plot, whether it's leadership or whether it's even about changing the Brexit paper, which is more important, dissipates instantly until they come back in September. And so they knew that actually they had this short window, number 10, in which to do this, deliver it, and then just see what the reaction was. Um, and once they'd set off the bomb, they thought, well, actually, everyone, all of their critics will be scrambling for cover and won't have an answer of their own. And it's proved right with Boris so far. However, having said that, you know, we've seen a bit of a fight back today. David Davis was working on a, his own white paper for a long time. That's finally been leaked today, which does some, gives some sort of skeleton outline of what um, Brexiteers want. You know, it's it's not a free trade area with a bare bones. It's a, it is Canada plus, 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 which is what the Brexiteers want. Now, in a way, I think that that 
that robbed Boris of, a, of his chance of a big splash on Monday. But the interesting thing about that ERG meeting was actually you had a split within the backbench Brexiteers. A lot of them just don't like the idea of a leadership challenge against the Prime Minister. They're instinctively loyal. It's not what they do. A few of them do want the challenge. There's no question, like Bridgen, um, but not many of them. And I think that's, again, another shrewd calculation on the part of number 10. And it's just war gamers, right? So they get the 48 signatures yep. needed to trigger a vote of no confidence. You don't have a stalking horse candidate in this election. You then have a vote of no confidence in the Prime Minister, which she can then, she, will, she, will, she said she'll contest that. You then need to get, is it 140 MPs, I think, to vote no confidence in the Prime Minister. That is not there are not 140 Jacob Rees-Mogg's or Andrew Bridges in the Tory party. So the idea that they've got to get over that hurdle. Then say, say they do get over that hurdle. Say they somehow get 140. Who then becomes the next Tory leader? Let's just say they get a new Tory leader. The, the parliamentary mass is still exactly the same. There is not a majority for a hard Brexit. There's not a majority for staying in the EU. So the, the, the matter who you get in is going to be faced with exactly the same problem. Unless Paul, unless Rachel, we have... A general election. Is that oh. where we're going, Rachel? We're we going for a general election here? Well, quite possibly. I think you'd you'd be daft not to think of that as a possibility. Um, it's interesting that um, Dominic Raab, um, himself a Brexiteer, has been appointed the new Brexit secretary. And the interview that he gave this morning was really um, fascinating. He was on the Today programme. And he seemed to speak like quite directly to any Tory rebels and the way he kind of phrased it was um, the EU withdrawal bill has now gone through Parliament and and we have won Um, and then he kind of went on to say um, that um, basically any rebels they too would be held to account Mm. so and that was kind of telling them to bear in mind how the public would view them and everyone knows Brenda from Bristol, your average person on the street, yeah. really does not want yeah. a general election. I thought you're right. You're absolutely right, Rachel. That was bang on. Where he he rammed home the message. Look, I've taken on this job. I'm a Brexiteer like you, but I'm swallowing this because I think we can make it work. Uh, and he actually was selling it not as a worst case scenario, but actually of credible solution to the problem. And he was quite steely in the way he said that, wasn't he? And I thought, whoa, that will carry a few a few backbenchers. You know, this is our guy. This is their great. White Hope. This is the young Brexiteer that many of them want to see as the next Tory leader. And here he is actually being quite disciplined and saying, look, this is what leadership means. And just finally, on the kind of politics of this, I've been someone who's always thought that Theresa May is one of the worst politicians to be Prime Minister, because I think she thinks in straight lines, not very strategically. This week's proved me wrong a little bit, because actually she's gone, you know what, this is the plan, you're signing up to it. Even to the point when Boris was dilly-dallying about whether to resign or not, or the timing of it, Downer Street leaked it first. We've accepted his resignation before Boris had a chance. They <laughs> they controlled the media on this, apart from the David Davis stuff, but, you know, they have, they reacted well to it. Do you think this is... A sign of them of, of them tightening up a bit. Well, more? you know what? This is what Theresa May's allies have always wanted to see from her, which is decision, decisiveness, boldness. Take on your enemies and do it, and don't always triangulate. At some point, you're going to have to make a, a, a decision that will annoy people and get on with it. And and that's what a lot of people who've been around have been really frustrated by in the last twelve months. And I think there's a bit of relief that she's done it. I mean, when you saw um, Suella Fernandez, the um, Bra- Braven, Braven, she saw, there was a, a a lot of speculation that she was ready to resign. And I think a, a few hours later, you saw her marched through the streets by Robbie Gibb, um, Mayor's head of 
comes. Yeah, not the former BG. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and that just showed that, yeah, she has got um, some control there now. Was, there someone. was a weird few hours where the, the, the sort of fate of the government seemed to hang on whether or not Suella Braveman had resigned as a junior <laughs> minister in the Brexit. It's kind of like, if she's gone, is this the end? And then she didn't go. And it was all, it was all really odd, wasn't it? People were reporting it. And then um, I, I saw her being marched through by Robbie Gibb. She hadn't been answering her phone to me. And I said to her, like, oh, is your phone not working, Suella? Because normally... You, you take my calls. Oh, I wasn't anything personal. Um, that, it was a message, wasn't it? That that cabinet responsibility yeah. has been, yeah. been, yeah. been been restored. And that, but well, at the same the time, I think we should have a heavy caveat, which is that while May's done well this week, she's far from out of the woods because Labour could easily conceivably march with some of those hard Brexiteers through the voting lobbies and defeat May on whatever Brexit deal she's got. Well, let's come back to Labour in a second because I want to go to that point but let's talk very quickly about the white paper that was published today yep. I mean, we talked about May no longer triangulating but actually this white paper it doesn't appease the Brexiteers because it keeps us in basically in the single market for goods in a, in a customs union effectively with the EU it's not going to appease Brussels because it splits the single market it does what they say you can't do cherry picking so we're in the single market for goods but not for services uh, on free movement there's going to be visa free work for EU migrants for a temporary time the temporariness Try of that Try selling time, that on the doorstep. Yeah, has not been defined. So that temporary could be five years, couldn't it? That could be, you know, so much of a free movement coming to an end. But at least there is a plan now, Paul, for Brussels. What did you make of the white... I mean, literally... Well, we've always, said, we, we've always said this, haven't we, that, that any solution to the Brexit conundrum has got to be complex. It's a, You know, it's not a simple matter. It's very, very complex. It's very, very... Our... our the tentacles of not just our economy, but the way culturally, socially, lots of in the way Britain works within the European Union. To unpick all of that is very, very difficult. And it's going to be complex. And so she's come up with some complex solutions. Not everyone's going to like them, but at least the, the, the EU are delighted at last they can start talking. They've got something to negotiate with. And it's don't forget, it's more than two years since the referendum vote. So, you know, and we've, what, 270 days to go to exit day? And we've only now come up with our plan so the pressure's on Barnier said this week that 80, we were 80% of the way there but the 20% is the really important bit and I think it's going to be interesting because I think my gut is at this stage Brussels can live with a very complex free trade deal they don't like it but I think they accept that it's miles better than a no deal and I think some kind of free trade deal like this maybe slightly different from this is the only solution and to be honest that's the only solution that Labour would back anyway and Rachel, does Boris and Davis' resignation enable May to go to Brussels and go, look, I have gone as far as I can go. I've got people resigning over this plan. You, you guys have got to meet me. You, I cannot go any further. This is the plan. If you want more from me, you're just not going to get it. So actually, you guys have got to kind of meet me now. So in a way, it strengthens their position, right? Um, or you could say the opposite, that it strengthens their position. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and they say, well, if you want no deal, go Stop for it. Stop talking Britain down. <laughs> Can't believe it. Um, so some of the language, I think, um, um, is really interesting. Like um, this parliamentary lock on, on the ability to diverge, it puts me in mind of uh, David Cameron's emergency brick. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just think, yeah, it, it, it feels like it's going to, it's only a certain matter of time before some of it falls apart but I do think that Brussels will will show a bit of flexibility that's the message I got this week from people who are working in the commission that actually you know we're going to be flexible we're going to be helpful let's go back to Labour because uh, Labour play a role in this and just when you think you've got one sort of thing sorted in your mind about what could happen you chuck in another aspect it's like playing snakes and ladders and chess simultaneously on the same board with draft pieces it's just trying <laughs> on to, a skateboard just, exactly it's, it's all of that it's all of that and more Paul and one well, and um 
Uh, it's sweaty as well. I need to be hot today. Sorry, listener. Um, but Labour... Too much information. I know. I was talking to Labour MPs this week, moderate Labour MPs, and I said, right, you guys are going to have to back this deal now, right? Because you don't want to crash out of that deal. Oh, no, 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 no. We're going to keep playing with this. We're going to keep going with this. We're going to keep forcing the government to make changes. And I said, but you might force us towards a no deal. I oh, won't get it to go that far. Well, I'm sorry, but if you're if you're going to drive this car towards a cliff and your idea is to steer away at the last moment, the hard Brexiteers might not let you. Is there, is there a danger now that Labour could play too much politics with there this? There is a danger of that, but equally, I think... Labour and Brussels are actually in a strong position, which is Labour now can say to May, either you you do make some some concessions or we crash the car and you'll be driving it, not us, thank you very much. So I think, you know, that's quite... You've got to hope that Labour and Brussels want the same concessions. Well, I'm pretty (laughs) sure they they do. do, I think they've they've cleared their lines together. Um, You cynic. And and I think, actually, that's really what's going to happen. And will will Theresa May's party allow her to make any more concessions? I'm not sure. Or will she be bold again and say, actually, yeah, I have no choice. This is the arithmetic. Get rid of me, but no one else can change that arithmetic. Uh, let's move on, shall we? Very, very quickly to talk about uh, the great man is here, Donald Trump. Yeah. Well, he's just landed. Just a little alert pop up. He's he landed. has landed. Air Force One. The ego has landed. Um, exactly. Let's have a little clip with him having breakfast with the NATO Secretary General. This, this was brilliant. Just have a little listen. It's very sad when Germany makes a massive oil and gas deal with Russia where you're supposed to be guarding against Russia and Germany goes out and pays billions and billions of dollars a year to Russia. So we're protecting Germany, we're protecting France, we're protecting all of these countries. And then numerous of the countries go out and make a pipeline deal with Russia where they're paying billions of dollars into the coffers of Russia. I mean, that's a hell of a breakfast rant, isn't it? Russia owns your country. Russia owns Germany. What about this pipeline? I won't do the impression. But uh, we, he's, just done a, he's just done, for me, one of the most amazing press conferences of all time, which he's just done in Brussels. Uh, talked about everything. Phenomenal. Uh, taking questions from everyone. And he said that Brexit isn't quite turning out how it's supposed to be. He's managed to get all these countries to increase their defence spending. Macron's come out and said, no, we didn't agree to that at all. Yeah. I mean, we're recording this on Thursday, and obviously, Paul, you're going to be on the trail of Trump, aren't you, for the next couple of days? Yeah, and it's obviously that sense of chaos is what he brings with him. Um, But the question is, is it a creative chaos? And you can argue, look at North Korea, look at various things, whether it comes to, you know, yet to see whether the trade war will work out. But, you know, you can argue there is a sort of creativity in the chaos. There's a method in the madness. And strategically, he gets people talking about what he wants them to talk about. You know, he... He put on the map this whole idea of getting the whole of Europe paying more for, for their defence spending. And don't forget, it was Barack Obama. It's been previous presidents who said the same thing. I mean, I wrote it down. Obama told David Cameron at a G7 a few years back, look, it's time to stop the free riders on, on, on NATO. You've got to start paying your fair share. Soon after that, Cameron announces 2% defence spending. Yeah, we're going to meet it. So Cameron was bounced into it by Obama, and now Trump's raising stakes even further for everyone else. And so he's talking about doubling defence spending from 2% to 4%. And you've got to say, it's not just Trump. This is an American interest that's been a long-standing gripe, which is 
we're paying for you guys for your security and what we're getting in return. So, you know, people shouldn't forget that. Um, that's why Trump has got a united administration behind him and a lot of Congress behind him on this, this particular issue of defense spending and NATO. It's the same for the UN. He does it in very, very blunt language. Um, but strategically, he's beginning to get what he wants. The question is, does he? what long-term damage does he do in the process? And, and that's a really difficult one because, you know, if he's seen to undermine the West as a whole and allow Russia uh, an opportunity or China an opportunity, then a lot of people, particularly on this side of the Atlantic, think that could be very dangerous. What are we going to expect from the protests, Rachel? I mean, is this big balloon? When's that going up? This big balloon of Trump in a diaper going up? It's a diaper? <laughs> Nappy? Not yeah. American. Over, over London? Uh, that goes that goes up tomorrow, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Friday. Um, Friday, yeah. Uh, and we're expecting around 70,000 um, to protest over the weekend, probably more. Um, there's been a bit of controversy this morning and that it seems that the Met Police has um, denied some of the uh, Trump protesters uh, um, stage to do their speeches in, in the initial initial stages, which is causing um, a great deal of debate. <laughs> um, but I think some of the more interesting stuff will happen in Scotland over the weekend because he's um, um, flying up to uh, Glasgow Presswich Airport on the um, on the Friday night and there's a protest planned in Glasgow as well and then one the following day in Edinburgh um, and they, the Scots already have a um, somewhat fractious <laughs> relationship yeah. with he, he Donald care, Trump. Right? Donald Trump won't care because he he's, like, he's like Ronaldo. Like, the more you boo him, the more he loves it. Right? He doesn't care. But, he, I, mean, I mean, what's very odd about this, I've, I've covered lots of foreign visits and this is the first foreign visit I've ever covered where it's basically a jolly with a bit of sort of government tact on the end of it. So it's basically him having tea with the Queen. He's seeing all the special forces do a special uh, laid-on demonstration for him, boys, toys, all that stuff. He's going to a black-tie dinner at Churchill's ancestral when home. George w. Bush had this, so when George, Bush, when George W. Bush came over for a state visit, they laid everything out, yeah. and he loved it. No, loved exactly, and we're good at it. We're good at pandering to that yeah. American sense of, you know, ego. But what's different about this is that the checkers bit, the business end of the, of the trip... It's almost like an afterthought for, for Trump. It's not for us. It's really important for us. The big issues, Syria, Russia, are all on the agenda, NATO. Um, but for Trump, it's almost as if that they're just tacked on. And I, th I find that really strange. I mean, the very fact about the Scottish bit, he's basically there to play golf. Yeah. And then on top of that, he might do a bit of prep for Putin. It's weird. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of like um, we're being treated like his holiday destination. Yeah. yeah. And, and this whole... Um, the, the the left like to see it as that he's he's come here with his, his tail between his legs, but really he's he's not being challenged by anybody. He's not having to face any music. Um, yeah. Excellent. Thanks so much, guys. I have to wrap up there. No quiz this week because, frankly, there's just too much going on. Um, make a quiz for yourself. Um, I look up David Davis's greatest hits. Or we'll have a great quiz next week. Amuse though. yourselves. We'll have a great quiz next week. Um, sorry about the football. Uh, we love you lots. Give us reviews on iTunes. Or listen to your podcasts. Uh, say goodbye, Rachel. Bye. See you later. Bye. Bye. With the McDonald's app, you can get your favorite thing delivered to your door. So if you were looking for a reason to skip washing those dishes you left in the sink, consider this a sign. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. Right now, get $0 delivery fee with any purchase of $15 or more. Only in the app. At participating McDonald's, minimum purchase excludes tax and service fees. Delivery prices may be higher than in restaurants. Other fees may apply. Not valid with any other offer, discount, or coupon.